Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Today, today, thank you for tuning us in on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Today is Wednesday, July 28th, and this next hour we study the inspired and true Word of God, and we put on our Christ goggles as we, as we look at Nehemiah chapter 11. And here's the deal. These last few chapters have a lot of names, and they're not your names that you'll learn in America. Like, well, maybe not Brady, but John or Jim or James or any of those. Most of them we've never heard of before. And I received a, well, I think encouraging message from a friend of mine who's a regular listener, poking a little bit of fun and also saying, I'm glad you're the one reading these names and not me, which is a lot of fun. But also what I love about it is it gives these individual names, reminding us that the Lord has called you by name. He remembers even the hairs on your head, and he remembered these individuals, which also points us to our own lineage. You go through your family lineage, you hear all these names. You might not have known them, but they're part of your family. And that is the reality when we hear their names today. They're different roles. They're different responsibilities. Reminding that each person is, is matters to our Lord, and he has called you to be his child, and you are loved by him. This is our focus, and this is our joy this morning, because the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thanks to our friends at, at, at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word, we welcome this morning Pastor Jeremy Lesh of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Grandview, Missouri. Pastor Lesh, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you. Nice to be with you, Brady, and to talk about uh, Nehemiah 11 this morning. Absolutely. Pastor Lesh, you've you've been on Thy Strong Word for a number of years, um, but this is our first time together, which I'm excited about. And, and can you then introduce yourself and your family and the work of the saints at Holy Trinity? Sure. Uh, like I said, my name's Jeremy. I uh, graduated from St. Louis in 1999, uh, so uh, a long, long time ago. Uh, my <laughs> wife, Amanda, and I uh, were married in 2003, and we have been blessed with six kids and uh, have been in Kansas City. Uh, Grandview is on the south side of Kansas City. Uh, we've been here since 2014, and uh, our congregation, I think, uh, is like a lot of congregations. We have completed vacation Bible school for the year, which was a delight after last year and, and having to do things a little virtually. Uh, and, and now our church's attention um, turns to uh, what we call Grace Day. It's a back-to-school event for the community around us hmm. where uh, children get uh, free uh, school supplies uh, and, and uh, a few other things. Uh, and, and so that's nice. Um, the Lord has been good and gracious to us. And so uh, we, in turn, uh, be gracious to the people um, that are in our community. So we have that. And then th that leads us right into our preschool. Uh, we operate a preschool here. And um, again, the, the Lord's blessings uh, are visible uh, every day uh, for us. Well, thank you for um mm -hmm. That is wonderful to hear of Grace Day. So, so tell yeah. me a little bit more about Grace. You're talking. Mm -hmm. This is a church event, or is it a community event, or it, tell us more it, about Grace Day. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a church event, and okay. um, we uh, borrowed this idea from a congregation on the east side of the state. Uh, when it was in person, it used to be in person, 
we have an eye doctor in our congregation who would give very basic uh, eye exams. Um, we would solicit uh, hairstylists and barbers to give the kids free uh, back-to-school haircuts and things. Uh, we would offer clothing. Uh, the library would come in and, and give away free books. But wow. primarily ju- just an event for our community. Uh, in this case, it's Grandview, Belton, Missouri, Raymore, Missouri, uh, and, and then uh, South Kansas City. Just to come, uh, we all know back-to-school supplies can be expensive, and for some people in the in the area, uh, it really stretches their budget. And, and so, this is something that that we can do, and we solicit donations from from businesses. Uh, but just a, a wonderful way to offer something free. Um, again, we are extending the Lord's grace. Uh, to the people around us. And it's a drive-through event this year, so we're not doing mm. quite as much. And again, due to uh, COVID and things, and it was a drive-through last year as well. But uh, people still come by and, and, and they get the things that they need so their kids can begin the school year uh, on the right foot, uh, again, with the, with the supplies that they need. Wonderful. Well, I, mm-hmm. I, I invite our listeners to pray for Holy Trinity as you do this. Mm-hmm. As a, I have four children, and I understand yeah. what you're saying that the supplies can add up pretty quickly, and then just the mm-hmm. details of of getting haircuts and so forth. And and yeah. and there's there's a reality that you know each family cannot do that. And so what a the 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 name of it is is absolutely wonderful. Grace mm-hmm. Day, reminding us of the yeah. grace of our Lord Jesus and and what you do. So, like I said right. uh, to our listeners, pray for pray for Holy Trinity, and also how can we help families as they transition, especially this year. I don't know what's like there, but in Minnesota, there's still those question marks. You know, what's this year going to be like? Are we going to be hybrid or going to be full time? Or is this going to be online? What's all going to happen? So what a great way to extend grace and so much chaos surrounding us. Anything else you want to share about yourself, Pastor? Are you ready? Uh, I think I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, as we begin this, how about we begin in prayer? Can you begin us in prayer, please? Absolutely. Most gracious Heavenly Father. You continue to uh, give the gift of your word to us, uh, the word that is our Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. Uh, strengthen us to be attentive to your word. Help us to grow uh, in our knowledge of your word. Help us to see uh, with eyes of faith that your word uh, points to our salvation through Jesus Christ alone. Uh, bless our conversation today and continue to strengthen us as we walk daily in your word uh, and in your light. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions for us concerning Nehemiah chapter 11, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call 1-800-730-2727, Three or three one four eight two one zero eight fifty three one four eight two one zero eight fifty. Now, Pastor, as we are getting close to the end of Nehemiah, there's a lot of uh, 
there's a lot of teaching points. I mean, you can look at the whole chapter, or the whole book. You can look at the chapters prior. There's just a lot of stuff that we typically have not looked at with Nehemiah, which has made it really, really, really a lot of fun to dig into this important part of, of Scripture. So, Pastor, what kind of teaching points or thoughts do you have that leads us up to chapter 11 that will help us out today? Well, sure. Uh, I think there are some wonderful themes uh, in Nehemiah 11. Uh, it's not simply names. I appreciated your introductory comments. And uh, whenever I come to a name, I think it's best just say it with confidence, uh, as if you know how it's pronounced. And then, mm. uh, you know, no one will uh, will will uh, question it if you if you if you sound like you know what you're doing. There you then, go. Uh, that that makes it good. But, but, but you know, we're going to find the people uh, submitting themselves to God's will. Uh, we read of them casting lots. And you might think, well, what's that have to do with God's will? Well, mm. the people believed that it was the Lord who was doing the choosing. And, you know, uh, we hear of the apostles casting lots to choose the next one to take Judas's spot. So it was a, a common practice. But not only was it doing God's will, the people were voluntarily submitting themselves to, in this case, repopulate the city of Jerusalem. And, and that involves a sacrifice. Uh, and, and that's uh, something good to give our attention to as well. The cost of a sacrifice, um, physically, monetarily. Uh, so we'll find that in this chapter. And then also, we look at the list of names, and we notice not just names, but a little bit of their jobs and their their roles, their tasks. We have priests and Levites and gatekeepers and things. So as the city of Jerusalem was being rebuilt, reestablished, you needed people of uh, different strengths and different gifts that are there. And then uh, one thing that jumped out to me was how they – uh, identified Jerusalem as the holy city. And uh, we may turn our attention then to the book of Revelation, where we see Jerusalem descending uh, the holy city and, and what that leads us to think. And maybe, you know, we can lament over what Jerusalem has become in history and how the city has been neglected and abused at times, but then also think of the true Jerusalem uh, of the Lord, the city of peace, and and how it will be our destination and how it will be our uh, residence uh, mm. in, in the end times. That, that is really well said, because there is, mm. there is a, a future hope with these words, even though, for example, if you ever have done a uh, reading plan of the Holy Scriptures, and so you mm. <laughs> you start in yeah. Genesis, you get to Nehemiah, this is the time range where um, you can become, I guess you would say, a, a slave to the reading plan as opposed to stopping, looking at the names, looking at the people and realizing that this just isn't, they had a bunch of crazy names in those days, but it pointed to a a restoration of sorts is that, wow, now yeah. we're actually bringing people back. I mean, these people are here and we're getting work done and, and there's hope and also the future hope that we have in revelation. That, that is, 
probably just a good reminder for me, and this is what Nehemiah has done for me, yeah. is to remind me, slow down. Slow down when you're reading <laughs> the Bible, and let's make sure that um, it's a big book. Um, yeah. God, God has made it simple with Christ, and it's good for us to remember that each name, each name matters to our Lord, and it should for us too. So, any last yeah, thoughts I, before I, we dig in? Yeah, and, well, and I, I, I thought again your introduction when you were talking about these names that that is a person in history. We mm. may not know that name. We may not know how to pronounce that name, uh, and and that's not the point. Do we have the accent on the right syllable? And okay. Mm. You know, you you should certainly, if you learn how to say somebody's name, you should say it correctly. Uh, but that is a person, uh, you know, and and that that person matters to the Lord just as we do. Uh, you know, we celebrated a baptism this past Sunday, and you know the the name of the child was uh, prevalent in the baptismal service. Uh, and that's a wonderful opportunity for the congregation to be reminded, not only is this person's name known to the Lord, yours is too. Uh, and and the, the personal touch of God, the intimate connection that God has with us, uh, again, that should not be, be overlooked. Wonderful. Well, as we as we remember this name, obviously we go back to the mm-hmm. name of Jesus as we hear today's word. So let's let's start digging in. Um, okay. Reminder to our listeners: we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture, from Nehemiah chapter eleven, and we'll just start with the first two verses. Now the re- leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remain in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. So, Pastor, we, we you touched on this a little bit. It's interesting, one, that they cast lots. They refer to Jerusalem as the holy city. And I'm not sure if this is the first time it says that, but definitely is a striking um, addition to this. What did you find in these first two verses? Do we lose them? Or am I lost? I think I lost him. We've had this before. Well, I wasn't sure what was happening. But as we look at these two first verses, um, we have lost him. Okay, all right. A couple weeks ago, I was the one who was lost, not him. So this is kind of interesting. But anyways, the first, oh, you're there. You're back. Okay, here we I'm go. I'm back. So, I'm back. I'm Pastor, sorry. did you hear the question I had? I did not hear the question. I'm sorry. Okay, so the, the question is, as you look at these first two verses, um, there you know, it highlights Jerusalem as the holy city. At the same time, it talks about people going into the city. And so what did you find in these first two verses? Well, we we need some people to to be in the land, and I I think it's interesting. One out of ten, uh, right. that that's a tithe, uh, and and the, so the people hmm. cast lots, uh, maybe indicating that Jerusalem was not such a desirable place to be hmm. uh, at at that time, uh, that other cities were more established. Uh, and, and so I guess the people volunteered, you know, they put their name up to be drawn, and that happened. The, the leaders of the people of Jerusalem were there, 
Uh, and so the people uh, offered themselves. This is part of that willing sacrifice. Mm. And so one out of ten, they were chosen. The people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. Uh, and so it's, again, that willing sacrifice. I will take somebody's willingness all day long over somebody who may be more talented, more gifted, who begrudgingly gives their service. Uh, I can do a lot with a person who's willing. Uh, I, I think maybe we have experienced that in the past. Maybe you weren't the most gifted uh, in your band or in an athletic team, but you were willing. You you showed up on time. You showed up ahead of time. You stayed after practice. You helped with all sorts of things. And that willingness is a joy. Rather than the most talented person griping and grousing, it's too hot. It's too long, and and you just don't need that kind of attitude. And so the the one-tenth, again, a, a tithe, that's what the Lord needs, and that's what the Lord received. The people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. Uh, and, and this is a, a point when we look ahead to the church and, and the church age. Perhaps uh, when, when we try to plant a congregation somewhere, you know, we, we, we look at a part of the city that does not have a church, but we also notice that some of our members live there. You know, would you be willing to start a new congregation in this part of the town? You know, and, and you find people who are willing to make that sacrifice. They give up their church home to form a new one. Uh, that is not a sacrifice that can be discounted. Uh, and, and, you know, you find that you know, core group of people. And I, th I think our, our synod has had a, a long history with mother congregations and daughter congregations. And uh, again, that is an honor. And so it is good to see that the people blessed those who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem, uh, acknowledging that it may not have been the best, and and that it would be uh, it would be hard. It, you'd have to count the cost uh, of your sacrifice. But the Sorry, people I'm... did that. <laughs> no, you lost yeah. me. Who, who's next yeah, oh, to be okay. lost? That's the question, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh goodness, I I apologize. Sorry. What a day! No, that was me this time. That was me. Right. So I was like, oh my okay. goodness. So. So, so where were you going? Keep, keep going, Pastor. I'm sure you're doing great. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, just to, to think of the, the blessing that the 10% received, they willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. Uh, and again, the point that I was making was the importance of a sacrifice. Uh, I know in our congregation, we have people of many, many different levels, different gifts, um, different financial blessings. And so we talk about equality of sacrifice rather than equality of amount. Equality of amount is impossible, right. but equality of sacrifice is, is not. 
and, and so the people who went to repopulate Jerusalem, they were the ones who were needed, and uh, they willingly went. Um, and again, that, that sacrifice should not be discounted, uh, again, even into uh, the church age, uh, as we see people forming new congregations, uh, sometimes leaving their home congregation to form a new, uh, new congregation uh, someplace. Uh, and, and that is a, is a witness um, to, to their faith, to their dedication, valuing uh, the church of God and the, the casting of God's uh, word, the casting of those gospel seeds. One thing I would, I, and this is going to strike me as we go through the list, is maybe maybe a challenge of sorts is that as you are called by the gospel, enlightened by God's gift, sanctified in the one true faith, as we believe that that when let's say you're looking for a new church, um, that sometimes we look at the church and we say, okay, this is what they quote can do for me. Now I don't mm-hmm. discount that because there's times that that is what's needed to be said. So I'm not discounting that as something that's evil or wrong or something along those lines. But also ask, you know, how can God use me in this uh, this this church? And the, the, I love the language you use: sacrificial willingness or mm-hmm. the willingness of each person. And clearly, we don't want people to go to the church and get wore out. And there's no point to that. I mean, we don't want people getting yeah. burnt out when they should be there to receive the gifts of Christ. I mean, that's what we're there for. At the same time, how can you, and this is a challenge to our listeners and probably to us as pastors, how can we um, willingly serve where God has us placed? And that is a a wonderful reminder in these words, because you can guarantee they were willing, but they probably weren't too sure (laughs) about going to Jerusalem. (laughs) They're willing, but they're like, oh, Lord, have mercy. What's going to happen as I do this? And so that's a good reminder for us is just how can I serve where God has planted me? Yeah. Now, and and the blessing ahead. of the Lord that will follow. Like yeah, you said, yeah, the, the yeah. people that were go- the people that were going to Jerusalem, as you said, might not have known what they were expecting. You know, and and that's one of the the prayers that I bring out to our people all the time. It's one of my favorites. That phraseology of um, by ventures as yet unknown, through paths untrodden. Only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. We often, you know, we go to every day uncertain of what the day will bring, but the Lord's hand is guiding us uh, and his love is supporting us. And so that uh, balances our uncertainty. Uh, The Lord is with me. As we do this, let's let's continue moving forward as we hear these words. And there's distinctions of their jobs. Um, their callings, and as we would talk a lot in our culture and in the church today, vocations. So as we look at these, the rest of these verses, we're coming close to our break, but I want to make sure we read through these verses 3 through 9 as we continue to move forward. Verses 3 through 9. These are the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem, but in the towns of Judah, everyone lived on his property in their towns. Israel, the priest, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. And in Jerusalem lived certain of the sons of Judah and of the sons of Benjamin, of the sons of Judah, Athahiah, the son, the son of Uzziah, the son of Zechariah, son of Amariah, son of Shephatiah, son of Mahalalel, 
of the sons of Perez, and Maaseah, the sons of Barak, the son of Colhose, son of Hazaiah, son of Adadiah, son of Jorib, son of Zechariah, son of the Shelanite, all the sons of Perez, who lived in Jerusalem, were 468 valiant men. And these are the sons of Benjamin, Salu, the son of Meshalem, son of Joed, son of Padiah, son of Koaliah, son of Maaseah, son of Ethiel, son of Jeshishiah, and his brothers, men of valor, 928. Joel, the son of Zechri, was their overseer, and Judah, the son of Hassanuah, was second over the city. Now, Pastor, we heard a lot of names there and a lot of connections yeah. with other names and valiant men, they called them. What did you find in these verses? Yeah, well, you mentioned those valiant men, and that might be the best place to start. That gives us a clue that we needed uh, men uh, that, that had spines, uh, men that were not <laughs> afraid. Uh Israel uh, was, I'll say, not at peace. And they might not have been actively fighting, but there were people, there were uh, nations who did not want Israel repopulated. They did not want Jerusalem repopulated. So we needed some valiant men, men of valor. Uh, and, and so it's good to see also those numbers, 468, 928 uh, an, an army, uh, a, a militia that could be called up. Uh, they would do their work, uh, but then when the alarm would sound, they had new work to do uh, as, as valiant men. Uh, but going back to verse 3, Israel, the mm -hmm. priests, the Levites, the temple servants, the descendants of Solomon's servants. So there you start to see the, the breakdown of who these people are, um, namely priests, Levites, and temple servants. You, you needed people to do all the work that there was to do. Uh, you would try to fit the round pegs into the round holes, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and that was necessary. And so, again, uh, we're not just going to – uh, draw straws or cast lots to get people, uh, but we also want to be be smart about it. Uh, and and I think the, the the Lord has given His people intelligence, wisdom. We can again see what is needed, see what we have, and then try to match those people up. Uh, you know, you want to set your people up for success rather than failure. Uh, and so we listen to the people and say, these are the things I'm good at, or these are the things I perceive that I'm good at. Uh, and say, so, well, okay, well, we have this role. Uh, can you fill that role? And, and so I think we start to see that uh, in verses three through nine. Uh, all of these people that are there, uh, and we also uh, do not, want to uh, overburden the people. I, again, I mentioned setting people up for success, but then also uh, try to then develop um, people. 
um, mentoring is a way. We have a lot of uh, people in our congregations um, who have been around the block a few times. Uh, can we use their experience? Uh, can they uh, stand with uh, younger people to uh, guide and mentor them uh, to to share uh, their faith, their 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 struggles, but then also to share how they have been blessed, uh, how their uh, willingness to serve came with challenges, but also came. Uh, with opportunities to see the Lord's hand uh, at work in their life. So uh, we're beginning to see those things, but these, these valiant men, they, I think they, they knew uh, it's not going to be easy, whatever it is, but they said, that's okay. We are going to do it anyway. The city of Jerusalem needs to be repopulated, and we accept uh, that. Oh, that responsibility. Uh, again, and, you know, you look into the church uh, at the rite of baptism, at the rite of confirmation. Then, when we move into uh, commissioning teachers and ordaining clergy, mm. a lot of times our response is, "I will." Uh, you know, the the sponsor at a baptism. Uh, will you pray for this child? Uh, encourage faithful attendance and faithful reception of the Lord's Supper, their response is, I will. Um, husbands and wives, uh, will you have this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife, this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? I will. I will to do this. And so these valiant men, uh, we will to do the work of rebuilding Jerusalem. I think that's, again, nothing to, to overlook. As I want to talk more about that as we look at our next verses and we get to priests and Levites. Right now we need to take our break. We are studying Nehemiah chapter 11 with Pastor Jeremy Lesh, and we'll be right back. I'm Pastor Sean Smith, host of Concord Matters, where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. Join us as we read through the Book of Concord and look at confessional topics as learned guests and lively discussion will lead us to appreciate how the treasures of the Lutheran confessions apply in the 21st century as much as they did in the 16th. So join us every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central on KFUO Radio or on demand through the Concord Matters podcast. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. The idea that our creation is the result of a fluke, an accident, is ridiculous. A hundred thousand monkeys typing on a hundred thousand typewriters, even after a million years, would never produce the works of William Shakespeare. But they might produce several episodes of Wrestling with the Basics, Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. On air or on demand. A click away 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. What's happening in Germany's Lutheran churches? 
where Iranian refugees are flooding through the doors? What new opportunities for sharing the Christian faith are arising in communist Vietnam, and how can my church play a part? Mission speakers, all LCMS pastors from the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, will come to your church free of charge to preach and lead Bible studies tying into this exciting work going on all around the world. To schedule your speaker, call LHF at 800-554-0723. And welcome back. We are studying Nehemiah chapter 11 with Pastor Jeremy Lesh. And as we look at these words, um, the names, the people involved, Pastor Lesh has been doing a great job of pointing us to the church today. And it's never as easy as we want, and and the life changes. And so what you could have done, for example, I've been at, at the congregation I serve here at Messiah Lutheran Church for 11 years. And the people who could do certain things 11 years ago, some of them not able to do the same things that they're able to do 11 years ago. Um, and, and some people are now able to do things they were not able to do 11 years ago. So it really is a back and forth. But I want to take one step back, Pastor, and just to reflect again, you said this very well. So Jerusalem was not empty, but it was not uh, fortified by the wall. The wall's been fortified. Mm-hmm. They've built the wall. Um, they've reestablished practices of worship. We see that throughout the book of Nehemiah. Chapter 10 talks explicitly about how they really recommitted themselves to the Lord. Chapter 9, they prayed, um, said, we want to do this. They repented. Uh, The Lord had grace upon them. Chapter 10, they said, okay, we're going to give our tithes. We're going to do this. We're going to make sure that this is happening, make sure that that, that it goes to here, to there, to the storehouses, everything involved. And now they're kind of repopulating everything with willing and valiant men that we're hearing about today. So that's really the context. And I want to get to the priests and Levites, but I want to make sure as you look at the text, our first nine verses, there's anything else you wanted to highlight? Uh, well, maybe the holy city aspect. Yeah, yeah okay. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, going all the way back to verse one. Uh, again, you know, Jerusalem um, is never not in the news. <laughs> you know, it is, it is always there. You know, in, in our 21st century, the, the holy city of Christians, Jews, and Muslims, and certainly the holy city of uh, the Bible. Uh, and, you know, just to try to cover it briefly, the city of Jerusalem has been neglected and abused. Uh, it's been treated as a possession um, maybe more was made of it than it really was, uh, what it was ever intended to be. Um, but then the Lord Jesus saying, this is what it's to be, a house of prayer, the temple in particular, a house of prayer for all people uh, in Jerusalem, uh, the, the, the mount uh, of our Lord's crucifixion, Calvary, Golgotha, to recognize that tremendous place of sacrifice. And and some of our sacrifices, you know, they were peace offerings. Uh, and, and so that city, that city of peace. And so we certainly pray for peace upon Jerusalem. And, and I, you know, we don't see Jerusalem, the holy city, mentioned all that often in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, our, our thoughts are turned maybe towards Revelation. Uh, but really that city that is set apart, uh, holiness. Uh, so I think that is a... Uh, something to, to, to ponder within this text of, 
maybe why it was so important to repopulate, reestablish Jerusalem, uh, the temple with all of its appointments. You had mentioned the people uh, committing themselves again uh, to uh, their worship life. Um, and, and just to, to, to keep in mind of, of the holy city of Jerusalem, but then also these valiant men, um, they were set apart. Uh, and in our own uh, day and, and thinking about our own lives, what's our holiness uh, and, and how does that holiness come to us? And I think that's a great segue for us to look at the priests and the Levites that we will highlight now. So let's read verses 10 through 18. Of the priest, Jedidiah, the son of Joarib, Jachin, Sariah, the son of Helkiah, son of Meshalem, son of Zadok, son of Merioth, son of Ahutub, ruler of the house of God, and their brothers who did the work of the house, 822, and Adiah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Peleliah, son of Amzi, son of Zechariah, son of Pashur, son of Malchijah, and his brothers, heads of fathers, houses 242, Amishai, the son of Azareel, son of Azai, son of Meshalamoth, son of Emar, and their brothers, mighty men of valor, 128. Their overseer was Zabdiel, the son of Hagadolim, and the Levites, Shemaiah, the son of Hashub, son of Azrikam, son of Hashabiah, son of Bunai, and Shabbathai, and Josabad, of the chiefs of the Levites who were over the outside work of the house of God, and Mathaniah, the son of Micah, son of Zabdi, son of Asaph, and the leader of the praise who gave thanks, and Abakabakiah, the second among his brothers, and Abda, the son of Shamua, the son of Galal, son of Jeduthun, and all the Levites in the holy city were 284. Now, to this point, we I think we've talked more about how do we keep the city safe, um, talking about the valiant men, the mighty men, um, the overseers, so forth. And then we make a transition here of assuring that holiness is given to God's people through the priest and Levites. Now, that's a distinction I'm thinking. What are your thoughts on this this uh, transition to priests and Levites? Yeah, well, I, I would agree uh, with that shift. And to say that... Uh, they are distinct, you know, uh, not uh, different, but mm, mm-hmm. distinct. Uh, you know, I get uh, tired of uh, being told, you know, there's there's one way to be a man, you know, or mm-hmm. there's one way to be a woman. Well, no, uh, there are a lot of ways uh, to do that, uh, and and that we are distinct. And and so here, priests and Levites, they were distinct. Uh, they all worked together. Uh, their valor was uh, the same. Uh, they all fulfilled uh, the tasks that they were given, uh, and the, the the two could uh, complement each other. Uh, we take comfort in knowing that. Somebody is working on our behalf, and we pray that uh, those people are comforted 
by the work of others. Uh, and, and, and so I, I think that's going on here as well. Um, lots of people, 822, 242, 284, that's a significant amount of people, uh, 1,300 uh, and some, just trying to add the numbers uh, off of the page. Uh, everyone was necessary. Uh, and, and, you know, there, there's one person in there that, that maybe we've heard of, uh, or talks about Asaph in uh, mm-hmm. verse 17, leader of the praise who gave thanks. Uh, I'm pretty certain this is the, the same Asaph that we find in the book of Psalms. Uh, oh, he wrote yeah. the t- 10, maybe 11 Psalms. And uh, I believe Asaph, you know, uh, was a, a, a choir master. Uh, and, and, and so within that great hymnal, uh, we find him here in, in uh, Nehemiah 11, verse 17. Uh, and, and so, yes, um, maybe while the workers are doing their thing, they hear the, the choir in the temple uh, singing and uh, in, encouraging them as they do their work. And uh, the, the workers uh, go to the temple for prayer and they they rest uh, from their labors, but they also rest in the encouraging word of God and, and uh, again, the hymns uh, and the prayers that were being offered. And so uh, it kind of goes both ways. Um, neither was more important, um, but all were were there for for a reason. That is a great highlight because, as it tells us, that Asaph um, would probably wrote Psalm fifty, um, saying mm-hmm. Psalm fifty, and probably seventy three, seventy three through eighty three, which mm-hmm. for me gets me really excited because we're studying the Psalms on Sunday mornings right now, and yeah. it's just a lot of fun to be able to. Uh, as and, and we we also include the psalms between books. So once we get to Nehemiah, we do a few psalms as well. And Dr. Seleska mm-hmm. um, from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis just talks a lot about you got to know the context, you got to know the situation, but also you have to let it hit you. You know how God's word mm-hmm. hits you. So here's Asaph, a piece of not only for them but also for us. And if you look at those um, psalms, they're so relevant, and and it just brings to light just that one name and his significance. Yeah. Which then brings to light all these other guys and families and 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 uh, members and everything else and their significance as well. And also a reminder, as I hear this, pray for your musician at your congregation. They do a lot. They they put their heart and soul into this, and they have families and they have responsibilities. So pray for your organist or your musician or if they play guitar, whatever it might be. Yeah. And thank God for them. Maybe even encourage them as well. Other other thoughts on these uh, verses. Amen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I, I, I think that that covers it again. Um, you know, priests and Levites, uh, you know, not yeah, the yeah. same, not yes. entirely different. But uh, the I mean, maybe uh, the Levites were uh, maybe what you have are, are sacristans in your mm-hmm. congregation, you know, mm-hmm. the altar guild. Uh, sure. Or, or in, in some congregations, you have a, a sexton. That's kind of the old name for a custodian, you know, where they had the keys sure. 
and, and they made sure that everything was in place. Uh, the oil had been filled for the lamps and, uh, and, and everything was ready. Those people that are kind of behind the scenes, you know, and as you mentioned, our musicians, I, I don't know if people contemplate the hours of, of, of practice that uh, go into their, you know, Sunday morning responsibilities, uh, but how wonderful it is to receive that gift from the Lord. Now, today, uh, you know, I was going through my devotions this morning. Today is the day of uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, some people will call Isaiah the fifth evangelist, uh, and some people will call Bach the fifth evangelist. Um, sure. Bach's gospel works, but, you know, I think we might be familiar with Luther saying that, you know, next to the Word of God, uh, music is the greatest gift. And uh, I don't know if you've covered uh uh, you know, the books of Samuel, but uh, we think yeah. of David calming Saul down with the gift of music, and music can energize, music can soothe, uh, and, and and so I, I would think that when the workers in the city who are outside the temple, uh, they could be, again, energized with uh, some of that music, or they could be soothed. You know, they they run into an engineering problem or some sort. Okay, right. let's take a minute. Let's slow down. I think you had said, you know, slow down when we read the Word of God, and uh, you know, mm. let it impact us, let it hit us. Slow down. Let's listen to this. Let's listen to these prayers, and then let's tackle that problem again. You know, maybe something will come to us. So uh, to to uh, honor uh, also everybody's contribution. Uh, again, I think that's something that um, the church has done and can do is to uh, lift up the the service that all people give uh, and, and to honor it. Uh, no one worker is more important than the other. Uh, you know, it takes a lot of people to put uh, food on your table, to put a roof over your heads. And so we honor the lowest worker to the, the highest worker, and we thank them uh, for the work they do. Now, with this is, and these are great, these are great words um, for mm-hmm. us to look at. You made a distinction that I think is important because it can become very confusing. And this is what I found. I want to hear your thoughts. So you have, it says mm-hmm. Levites and the priests. One of the things that that really gets confusing is you have the, the Levites clearly from the tribe of Levi. This goes back to mm-hmm. the 12 sons of Jacob. And, and for me, a lot for a long time, and I even get confused still, is like, okay, the Levites were the priests. End of story. Amen. Well, the problem here is they make a distinction. You have the Levites and the priests. You're like, well, what's going mm-hmm. on here? Well, one of the, 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 what I did some of the research is, so you had the Levites, like you said, they were mm-hmm. all um, servants and making sure the worship life of the people in the temper, temple, the tabernacle. Um, was being taken care of. They had their own place. Even in chapter 10, it talks about how to make sure the people provided for these priests and Levites. 
But mm-hmm. to make a distinction is all Levites were not necessarily priests, but not, you know, all priests were Levites, if I can say it that way. Um, these yeah. were the qualified men who were the priests. Is that a distinction that you found or how, uh, thoughts on how you might explain yeah. that? Well, no, I, I would say it's kind of the same way. You know, when, when we mm-hmm. try to distinguish the disciples and the apostles, kind of the same thing with priests and Levites. Now, how that happened, I'm not sure. Uh, You know, why why certain priests, uh, why certain Levites, pardon me, why certain Levites were priests, uh, you know, what happened? And I have not found anything uh, to to distinguish that, Uh, you know, and I would just say, well, what am I familiar with? You know, it's how uh, we go through our system in the Missouri Synod, you know, student teachers then become teachers after certification and graduation and our seminarians they have uh, certain markers they have to hit uh on the path to ordination uh you know and and, and that may be uh be one thing you know um formation um the city was being reformed rebuilt uh, and the the people were also being uh, formed again. And so maybe some of the distinction between priests and Levites is that uh, the Levites were a little bit younger and, and had not yet uh, graduated, if you will, um, into the priesthood. Uh, and, and so they their formation had not yet been completed. That That's uh, one hmm. thought that I had. Yeah. Right, right. It wouldn't be a, a... And with all of this, what we always have to be careful about is we're not making a one-to-one saying, okay, well, they had their gatekeepers, mm-hmm. therefore we need gatekeepers at Messiah Lutheran Church or the Holy Trinity <laughs> yeah. Lutheran Church. Um, but there is definitely an order that is there, Part of, and mm-hmm. most of all, for them to protect the people, because this was also a society that looked at their kings and their leaders uh, to be spiritual mm-hmm. leaders and secular leaders, if you can say it that way. And also mm-hmm. that they wanted to make sure people receive the holy things of God. And that's where we see this order today. Now, Pastor, we have about six minutes, seven minutes left. So I want to read the rest mm-hmm. of the chapter and to get your thoughts on what we'll see here. And then also to wrap it up as we look at the whole chapter for today. So 19 sure. um, until the very end. The gatekeepers, Akub, Talman, and their brothers who kept watch at the gates were 172. And the rest of Israel and the and of the priests of the Levites were in the towns of Judah, every one in his inheritance. But the temple service servants lived in Ophiel and Ziha and Gishpa, were over were the over the temple servants. The overseers of the Levites in Jerusalem was Uzai, the son of Bani, son of Hashabiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micah, of the sons of Asaph the singers, over the works of the house of God. For there was a command from the king concerning them and a fixed provision for the singers as every day required. And Pethahiah, the son of Meshezebel, of the sons of Zerah, the son of Judah, was the king's side in all the matters concerning the people. And as for the villages with their fields, some of the people of Judah lived in Kirath Arba, in the villages and in Dibon, and in the villages and in Jacob, Jacobzeel, and the villages, and in Jeshua, and in Moldada, and in Beth Pellet, 
in Hazar Shual, and Beersheba, and the villages, in Ziklag, and Mekanah, and the villages, in Anarimon, in Zorah, in Jarmuth, in Zanoah, Adullam, and their villages, Lachish, and the fields, and Azekah, and its villages. And so they encamped in Beersheba, in the valley of Hinnom. And the people of Benjamin also lived in Geba, onward at Michmash, Ahiah, Bethel, and his villages. Anathoth, Nob, Ananiah, Hazir, Ramah, Gitaim, Hadid, Zebium, Nebalat, Lod, and Ono, in the Valley of the Craftsmen. And the certain divisions of the Levites in Judah were assigned to Benjamin. So, Pastor, we have about four minutes, so we now get to overseers, we get to gatekeepers, we find out the villages outside of Jerusalem. How would you look at those verses uh, to begin? Any thoughts? Yeah, um, again, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot, but I do look at verse 30. So they mm-hmm. encamped from Beersheba to the Valley of Hinnom. Uh, the Valley of Hinnom is, uh, you know, very, very close to Jerusalem. Uh and it's not all that far uh, from Bethel. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the old way of talking about Israel was from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. And then when the country was divided, Israel and Judah, it became Dan to Bethel. Uh, and then the southern kingdom uh, was from Dan to Beersheba. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that the Lord knows his people. The Lord knows where they dwell. So we have all of these towns in verse 25 through 35. The Lord knows where his people are, uh, and he knows who they are. And and so rather than wondering if you are ever outside of the knowledge of God, outside of his watchfulness, I kind of think that this tells us, no, uh, we are not. No matter where I go, the Lord knows me. And I want to go back to what we just celebrated in our congregation of this baptism God knows where you are. You know, the way I like to talk about the early ritual within baptism of marking the child with the sign of the cross on the forehead and on the heart, that's an indicator. You are marked as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. He knows you. He knows where you go. And so the people, they have that comfort, whether they're the 10% that live in Jerusalem or the 90% that live outside of Jerusalem. The Lord knows you. He knows where you are. So again, that's again my focus there, and the I think the holiness that is given us. Jerusalem is the holy city, but we as individuals, being in Christ, under His watchful eye, the Lord has set us apart so that we can live, uh, and so that we can serve, and we can receive uh, the great blessings the Lord has for us. Now, Pastor, we have about a minute left. As we look at this whole chapter, we've, we've, you know, a lot of names, a lot of everything, but literally just a minute here. How would you wrap up the chapter and how would you summarize it? Sure. 
the wonderful willingness of God's people to be put in place by God. We trust the Lord. We do what we are trained to do for God's glory, for the benefit of the people around us. And we willingly offer ourselves wherever we are, whatever we are given to do, we uh, trust that the Lord will receive our service. Pastor Jeremy Lesh of, <laughs> of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Grandview, Missouri, given us God's strong word from Nehemiah chapter 11. Pastor Lesh, thank you again for being our guest. My pleasure. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> Saints of our Lord. God has a calling for each of us. And this calling is not to say we're all the same. It's not to say there's greater, quote, importance. But he's called you in baptism, as Pastor Lesh so well, said so well. Um, it, does, it does mean that he's called you to be a witness to your family, your neighbor, your community, and church, and beyond. And we pray, O oh Lord, help us to be willing to serve, to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, so our neighbor may be served and that your name may be glorified. What a joy as we look at Nehemiah, because it relates to us today. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.